Welcome in Padre fans to episode 156 of the Padres East Village Times podcast. I'm Dominic Stern alongside my co-host James Clark. James, how are you doing today? Doing well, man. Uh, I guess licking my wounds after a pitiful performance by the Padres this series against the Cubs, a team they should have really just beaten up on. Uh, you know, they lost their closer to COVID. There's other, they had Miley as a kind of a scratch starter. Start. I don't know, Dominic, you were there. You give, give me the feeling uh, of Peckle Park and what's going on with this offense? It's hot and cold, hot and cold. I mean, I know it's early and it's, it's, it is baseball, but give me your thoughts on, on what you saw this series. Uh, well, so it's funny. The offense has been really bad at home. I mean, that's kind of been the reality of it, which is not what it normally should be, you know, playing in front of your home fans, being able to sleep in your own bed with your family uh, close to home, not having to drive and, you know, wake up in a hotel and like be in an unfamiliar spot. It should be where the Potters should be thriving. And that just hasn't been the case for the offense. I was at six of the seven games as homestand. I'll be gone for two months, so I won't be able to make another game until August. But so I, I had to make sure I got my chances in, but the Potters offense just wasn't there. It did take four out of three or four out of seven in the homestand, uh, four and three records. So like, you can't really hang your head that much, but uh, two teams that entered with losing records, uh, you know, it's a little disappointing. The Potters were only able to take four games, but they won more than they lost. So at the end of the day, I, I left Petco happy more than I did sad. And, you know, it was mostly at the expense of the offense. Yeah, I mean, it's all about perspective when you, when you look at it and you see that it was a winning homestand. You see that the team still has a a winning record well above well above 500. Uh, there's a lot of positive things going on with this team, despite the fact that Fernando Tustis Jr. is not in uniform yet. you you got to figure that that's going to pep up the offense and get them going uh, in the right way as far as consistency is concerned. Um, I don't know. Let's, let's, let's get into maybe the rotation first. Let's talk about that. Cause that's kind of a big question mark right now. Uh, Blake Snell looks ready, pitched effectively in El Paso this week uh, is, is I, I would imagine he's going to be uh, activated and, and will make his next start. Probably uh, were they playing after Atlanta? Philly. Philly. So he probably, he'll probably start in Philly. I would imagine, but I don't know. You can't really predict things when it comes to the Padres. Uh, Nick Martinez looked okay today. He was striking some batters out, but I, I don't know. My thought is he's going to end up in the bullpen, and I think that's pretty much a given. Uh, give me your thoughts, and, and what, what are they going to do? Are they going to keep rolling with the six-man rotation? I mean, I think Martinez, the bullpen, is generally the consensus, at least amongst Padre fans. And, like, you can kind of see the media. I don't want to say that because they're not trying to push that narrative, but like with the question that they're asking uh, Bob Melvin and Ryan Christensen, depending on who's been uh, answering questions also prayers to Bob Melvin uh, with his, uh, he had surgery today at UCSB. So hopefully that Padres said it was successful, which basically means he's alive. So that's good. Uh, I think that they're going to end up going with the six man rotation to continue it. And I think that's mostly because of the fact that McKenzie Gore has been so good. Yeah. And, I mean, Gore, I think they kind of just assumed that, all right, Gore's going to come up. He's going to pitch until Snell's back. And then they're going to send Gore back down. But Gore's pitched his way into this rotation. And Martinez was always the guy that was going to start the year in the rotation, move out to the bullpen once Clevenger came back. 
but he was pitching really well up until the start against the Cubs where he allowed five runs in four innings. I mean, he was cruising. You said like he, he had like an okay outing because he allowed the solo home run to Contreras, which is like, okay, that's fine. Contreras had a really good series, by the way. Oh, we can talk about that in a little bit. And then he struck out four guys over the next two innings looked really, really good. And then that fourth inning, you know, leadoff walk to Contreras once again, and then he got the second base on a strikeout uh, ball got away from Alfaro. Alfaro made a good throw down and Contreras slid around the tag. If he's tagged out, it's out number two. They end up scoring no runs that inning because the rest of the runs were scored that inning with two outs, with the exception of Contreras's run. And that ended up being the deciding factor in this game. So I really don't know how Martinez's outing goes if Manny Machado puts the tag down or, I mean, if he just gets Contreras out. Uh, leadoff walk score 25% of the time in baseball, but they score 100% of the time against the San Diego Padres. That's the reality of the Padres. So, I mean, I think they keep rolling the six-man rotation just because all five of the guys, with the exception of Martinez, I think have really earned their way into staying in that rotation. Martinez goes to the bullpen, uh, can add some more depth to that bullpen because uh, the depth in that bullpen is definitely a weakness. And then Blake Snow gets filtered in there. And I think they just roll with the six-man rotation. Hope you get six-plus out of it. And the rest of the bullpen doesn't have to be too deep if you can do that. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely benefits to this. I think Clevenger and, and Gore are going to have to be limited in their innings to some regard. Uh, Clevenger off the injury, Gore just because of his youth. And, and you know, you don't want to pile up 200-plus innings on, on Mackenzie Gore uh, at his age. But you, you really have to be impressed with what you've seen so far out of the 23-year-old. I mean... Two and one record, 2.42 ERA, 1.23 whip, uh, struck out 28 batters and 26 innings pitched. Uh, there was a little bit of a criticism about uh, his start two two uh, times ago where he was using mostly fastballs. And there, you know, there's stuff you read here and there on social media about his lack of uh, command with his secondary. And I think he kind of sh- silenced them in his last start where he really showed a consistent breaking ball and, and a variety of breaking balls, if that, because he does have the slider, the curveball, and the change, which are all rated above uh, league average. So, I mean, he's going to take his lumps. This is a young pitcher. He's 23, like I mentioned. There's going to be outings where he's going to get roughed up. Those are going to come. They, they don't, don't, don't sell yourself short. This isn't. This is a young pitcher. He's going to get roughed up from time to time. It, it's going to happen. But it's how he reacts from that. And I think the Padres want Ruben Niebla to be there with Mackenzie Gore firsthand and, and kind of get him through these rough patches, which are inevitable. I mean, he was brought in to work with young pitchers. And you can obviously see, see that that they have a great rapport, Gore and Niebla. I, I don't know. Talk to me. What do you think, Dominic? Yeah, I mean... We saw how Mackenzie Gore developed in the minor leagues. You know, he got through the lower levels, was absolutely dominant. And then once things didn't go right, his development just completely flatlined. And then he gets up to this major league level. He works with these guys. He had a phenomenal spring training and he's been phenomenal at the major leagues. No one's ever denied the talent. Just, you know, the talent needs to get coached a little bit. And that's exactly what happened. Niebla's done a fantastic job with his pitching staff. It's carried the team. No one's going to deny that. And I think that it would be a mistake to send them away from the coaching staff. Cause you know, I mean, if they do send them down, they're going to say, well, we're going to have stuff for him to work on. Okay. What if the coaching staff, you know, tweak some stuff because you know, 
it's all possible, especially if he goes to El Paso. Yeah, you're gonna start allowing to the to the moon out there to pitch in El Paso where the ball travels. I mean, that's just not gonna be it's better. a horrible idea. Yeah, it is that El Paso idea. rotation would be loaded with Caner, uh, Weathers, Gore. That's a absurdly loaded young rotation, but it shouldn't be like that. No. Gore's established himself as a major league starter. And yeah, I mean, you'd like to see him use the off-speed pitches a little bit more, but he's having success pitching with just the fastball. Even when the Cubs were attacking his fastball, he went five innings, three earned. And yeah. that third earned run really shouldn't have been an earned run. I mean, Hassel and Kim got completely eaten up by a ground ball. That should have been a fairly, I don't want to say routine play, but he yes. should have made the play. And yeah. that that's a standard that we hold Kim to because he's showed it. He's a phenomenal fielder at shortstop. So I've been super impressed by Gore. I'm glad you nor I sold our stock in Gore. Uh, He's been phenomenal to start the year, really quieted all the haters. And, you know, it's got to take time. I mean, I think Padre fans really got ambitious with him and he struggled for a little bit. Everyone struggles in the minors and he got through it and now he's here and it's, it's awesome. Looking at this rotation right now. And if we were to, classify the pitchers would you give any one of them an, an ace title above the rest or who who would you think right now if the Padres are going into a, a one game playoff needed a, a win and all all the pitchers were healthy and had an opportunity to put one pitcher in who would that be Joseph Musgrove yeah. it's Musgrove I mean he he has a quality start in all six starts to begin this year yeah and I believe he's only allowed three runs in just one or two of them he's gone seven a couple of times he's been phenomenal I think New Darvish is right behind him. Darvish has pitched in a lot of playoff games in his career in Texas, in LA, never got there in Chicago, or he did in Chicago in the short season and he pitched really well. He went seven innings, two earned. So uh, I, I I think Darvish would be right behind him. And you know what, if you go into that, well, there's no one game wild card. It's not a three game series. I mean, I feel like you can be pretty comfortable knowing one, two, you got Musgrove and then Darvish. And then you kind of roll with whoever's the hot hand after that. Anaya, Snell. I can't imagine Gore or Clevenger are going to be guys that are going to be starting games in the playoff, especially in those series where you only want to be rolling three guys. But once you get to that four uh, best of four, you know, you got to win four games. So the NLCS or even the world series, then you can throw one of those guys in the rotation. But uh, you know, I mean, I'd feel really comfortable Musgrove game one, Darvish game two, you can flip them honestly. Uh, Cause you know, they're both going to pitch and then you have either, Manaya, Clevenger, Snell, or Gore to go potentially in that third game. They have uh, a very deep rotation. They have, uh, you know, I mean, there's even Weathers, who we mentioned earlier in, in AAA, who's uh, available in a pinch if they needed to, to bring someone up. So there's there's depth in this rotation, and it's going to definitely carry them far. Uh, I think the, the key is whether they're going to get the offense that they that they need. Um, let's let's talk about Jerks and Profar. Everyone was in love with Jerks and Profar the first week of the season, the first 10 days or so, for obvious reasons, as he was delivering in the clutch for the team and, and playing excellent. Uh is Profar the answer long-term and left? Is that someone that this team wants to run out there 150 games? A- well, that's that's an easy answer for me, James. Yeah. It's no. Listen, Profar has made, I think, tremendous strides defensively this year. I think he's now become an average defender. Except for the now- catch last night against the wall, which was, like, bizarre. Like, what what are you doing? Like, that's, that's, that's hard to do, to catch a ball with your glove – Pinned against the wall. I mean, that, that you have to have 
perfect judgment of the trajectory of the ball, right? Yeah, and I mean that ball. I think off the bat, he thought that ball was way over his head and into the stands, and it's hard to blame him. That ball should have been crushed way into the stands, but the wind was blowing in. It was a cold night, and he got back to catch it. I mean, I'm not going to go and say he's better than an above-average outfielder right now. I mean, I don't care what the numbers say right now. Very, very small sample size, but he's looked good. I mean, I think he passes the eye test defensively right now, Yeah, yeah. and he's shown a lot. You know, there was an article, I think it was, I think it was either Casfell or AC that wrote it. He kind of changed his arm slot for throwing because, I mean, before he be, became a Padre, Profar had these throwing problems. He had basically the yips. That's why, that's the main reason why Oakland didn't want him to be their second baseman going forward. And that's why they traded him to the Padres. And the Padres said, well, we have Jake Hernworth, who's going to play second base. Profar, you can play the outfield. And there was the DH that year. And he's got a kind of found him spot in left field, uh, you know, thanks in large part to the fact that Tommy Pham didn't got hurt multiple times and didn't play well last year. And now he's just kind of that guy. I don't feel comfortable with him being the long-term outfielder. I mean, I think he's a great utility man who plays 110, 120 games a year, maybe not playing the entire game every every day. Uh, he could be a matchup guy because he's a switch hitter, of course but he's just not a consistent hitter. He gets on base and that's fantastic. He showed some power the first week and a half of the season. And that's completely gone away because believe it or not, Jerickson Profar is not a power hitter. He never he's has been runs this year. <laughs> yeah. He has more home runs so far this year than he did all of last year. I mean, yeah. which is awesome that he's doing that right now, but it tells you everything you need to know. And I just, I wish the Potters had another outfielder on this team. It's going to be interesting because Kim is hitting the ball a lot better, or at least he was before this homestand. He had a really bad homestand and is obviously playing really well in the field. Kernworth is getting on base, not exactly hitting the ball well. Hosmer is hitting the ball extremely well, the best he has in a Padres uniform. Voigt's back. He finally impressed in a Padres uniform. You know, it, they're going to have some things to answer when Fernando Tatis Jr. comes back. And so the, well, let's let this week, this week, the team sent down CJ Abrams. Um, and he, you know, I don't know if, I don't know if that was a, if the, the correct move. I think that maybe a couple of weeks ago, it was a correct move. He, I don't know. He seemed to be getting better at bats. He seemed to be putting the ball in play better and he, you know he, he just hit his, his first home run in AAA right now uh, yeah. as for this podcast. There's definite offensive upside with him. It, it, did the Padres not do him justice by giving an opportunity to play in the outfield and, and p- potentially winning a spot out there, or, or is is the thought that they want him to stick in the infield and and that's where his value is. And that's where potentially maybe his trade value is, or what what are your thoughts on CJ Abrams, who, by the way, his dad sent me a message yesterday, uh, thanking me for my interactions with CJ's over the year and told me how he was a little upset about the demotion and, and thought that he was swinging better and thought that he should have maybe been able to stick around, but in, in communicating with Abram's dad, he indicated that uh, CJ is beyond focused and will definitely be back this year. So I, I would definitely, certainly 
look for that. I think it's only a matter of time before C.J. Abrams is back in a Padres uniform. But, but yeah. give me your thoughts. Give me your thoughts on I'm hitting the outfield and whether that's even a possibility. I I wouldn't doubt that for a second that he's going to be back soon in a Padres uniform. Probably not this month, you know, barring something that happens. But I mean, I think that he should have been given more of a shot in the outfield because he is so athletic. And the problem is, is the Padres are committed to all their infielders for the next three years. Yeah. And not just all of them, but all five of them. Voight, <laughs> Hosmer, Cronenworth, Kim, Tatis, Machado. So even six. They have six guys. And so, I mean, obviously, Abrams isn't going to play first because that'd be a massive waste. But, you know, Cronenworth can play first. But that's two guys who can play first. While Cronenworth plays elite defensively at second base, it doesn't make a ton of sense to move him off there uh, because they have two guys who can basically only play first base or DH and one of them has to play. So there aren't spots really in the infield right now. Fortunately, fortunately for CJ Abrams playing case, Fernando Tatis Jr. can't seem to stay healthy. So that always opens up a spot if that happens. But I mean, CJ Abrams certainly doesn't hope that happens. The Padres certainly don't hope that happens. And we as fans don't hope that happens, but for his playing sake, I mean, that is definitely an option, but in the outfield, I think that's where a spot is for him because Will Myers, free agent, you know, hasn't exactly looked great at the plate, had a fine day, uh, drew a walk, uh, hit the ball hard uh, a couple times on Tuesday and then hit a ball to the warning track on Wednesday. Grisham's been awful, which has been really disappointing because I'm a massive Grisham fan. And I mean, he's going to pick it up because he's been walking and getting on base, but just can't hit the ball at all right now is being too patient at the plate and then yeah. left field pro far, you know, Grisham, we kind of just talked let's, about let's, it. Let's talk about Grisham. Cause you, mm-hmm. you said you have faith that he's going to get back. And I'm, I I'm starting to wonder, I really am. Cause he, he takes some really, really bad at bats. And I, I, I don't ever see him batting in the top of the order again for this team. If he doesn't change his approach, you know, one thing's to have speed, one thing's uh, to you know, have the ability to get on base, but you cannot just flail at pitches and, and just put up horrible at bats. And that's what I'm seeing from him right now. And defensively today, there's a little bit of a, a uproar about the balls that were hit over his head and left or in center. Talk to me about those. What is your judgment? You were there. I mean, they were, there were missiles that, you know, as yeah. a, you kind of just have to concede it and play it off the wall at some point and you can't get too, invested in, in going heavily into the wall, but talk to me about Grissom who's, who's definitely regressed since his uh, first year with the Padres. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's where you're going to start. He, he's gotten worse every year as a Padre. And yes. I, I think that he is probably going to be an average bat that hits like 250, gets on base, you know, at around a 350 clip, which yeah. is a good hitter. And he's not going to slug that much. Manuel Margot then basically. Uh, Yeah. And there's nothing. Well, there's nothing wrong with Manuel Margot. I'm still kind of like, Ooh, and Manuel Margot never got on base. Manuel Margot chased all the time. Yeah. Grisham. So, I mean, the one thing about Grisham is he hasn't been as good. I don't think defensively. I I'm never going to blame a guy when the ball's hit over his head and it hits off the wall on a line. Cause that's on the pitcher. But he's walking, he's getting on base. He's got a 265 OBP. He's just not hitting the ball at all, but the strikeouts are concerning. He struck out twice as much as he's walked. And that's where, that's where the concerns come. He's a little too patient at the plate right now. 
And I think he needs to attack the fastball a little bit more. Uh, Grisham's really good when he turns on the baseball uh, because he he's kind of got that weird small bat. He's got really fast hands. And so what he does, he likes to be really, really patient at the plate. And that's why he gets on base a lot. But you know, at some point when you're not hitting, you got to change it up a little bit and you can rely on that plate. To, you can rely on that plate discipline uh, and still be patient, but attack your pitch because it looks like he's far more on the defensive at the plate than what the stats say and uh, than how he has been. And that's not something that really the stats can show. It's just kind of like an observation. He's late on a lot of pitches. You know, last year I was willing to say, all right, he was hurt. And that's why, because he was having an even better year to start in 2021 than he was in 2020. And then he regressed to league average. And I was like, all right, you know, he's hurt. Like he's clearly playing through it. He got less playing time towards the end of the year. You know, he'll be fine next year. And I've been wrong. He's pretty healthy at this point and he's not producing offensively. And it's cause for concern. But I mean, if he can get back up to being a league average hitter and play elite defensively in center field, be a guy that gets on base a lot, that's a great player for the sitting of Potters, especially at the bottom of the order. I mean, it, yeah, it didn't it didn't make a ton of sense when Cronenworth wasn't batting leadoff last year. Uh, then we kind of saw that later, but Grisham's no longer that top of the order guy. And he can get back there, but he's not that guy right now. I mean, he's going to have to catch fire to get back to league average. I mean, in a hundred at bats, he's, he's hitting, he's 144 with the four. Yeah. I mean, he's going to have to hit. We're 32 games you know, into 162 game season. So. You know, I understand. And it's, it's about a lot of averages, but what right. is his average? I mean, it, it, he's a 230 career hitter with the seven slightly over 700 OPS. I mean, if that's what he's going to put up the rest of the year, his, he's going to finish slightly above the Mendoza line. And that's just not productive. I mean, given he's 25 years old, there's there's still time to to make the changes, and hopefully he's able to make the changes, and and that's what this is all all about, right? It's all about mm-hmm. making the adjustments and 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 doing something different because the pitchers found a hole in your swing and they're exploiting it, whether it's him being too patient or, or whatever it may be. He's not putting in a very good effort at the plate right now, and something needs to be changed because this this anemic offense is just it's. I mean, we got guys hitting over uh, close to 400 and then we got guys hitting 120. So in uh, Casabel tweeted something out interesting yes. today in that regards it. Um, nobody on the roster is hitting in between 160 or two or three. I don't it's know what he, 230 and 360. I yeah, just pulled it up because I was going to say the same thing. That, that's insane. I mean, that's that's insane. Nobody is hitting average right now. They're either above average or they're absolutely falling on their face and, and just making out. So it's got to even out and in, in, in the end you, you would think, um, but there, there's definitely some concern over this outfield and the lack of production that they've gotten from it. Will Myers is another one who's just simply not produced and you're expecting to see him catch fire, but it just hasn't happened in, in a contract year, nevertheless, for, for, for Myers. There's, there's concerns. There's, there's definitely some concern we need some offense from this team in order for them to get the wins. They're, they're just, they can't rely on the pitching. Uh, the relief pitching has a little bit of a uh, little bit of sketchiness involved in it as well. There's the, there's players that are going down left and right. I mean, Tim Hill went down this this week. Uh, is Drew Pomerantz ever going to pitch again for the Padres? I mean, well, Pomerantz is on the 60 day aisle, so he's not eligible to come back for another month. No, I know, but I'm saying it. But yes, valid question, hundred percent. Yeah, that's a that's an eighth inning guy who's 
with a, a sub two ERA since he's been with the team. Yeah, there's still a lot of time left. You know, we 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 mentioned it. we're only 32 games into the season, but the Padres' holes are there. We know what they are, and we know what the strength is. So, uh, it's it's all got to be about the guys. I I think the guys on the roster need to step up more than the fact that AJ Preller needs to go get guys because. I mean, Austin Noah, I mean, let's be straight up. He's not the guy that AJ Pillar thought he was acquiring. I mean, that's no. that's very well established. But, you know, if he can hit 230, walk like he does because he's a patient hitter, and Alfaro can, you know, lay off the breaking balls just a little bit more because he has no play discipline at all. You know, that, that's a formidable catching duo because they're both pretty good defensively, at least relative to calling games and framing. But they're... Those guys, Grisham need to be Grisham needs to be better. Profar is going to be fine. I mean, he's been walking and he's been putting together solid at bats. Like he'll be fine. But there are guys that need to step it up on the roster, and if they do, then that'll put less pressure on AJ Preller because I mean, the trade deadline did not go well last year. Yeah, I, I yeah I don't have a lot of faith that that the Padres will make the correct trades honestly we've seen a lot of skeptical moves made by this team whether it's trading anderson at espinosa for jake marisnik or or trading thompson for for uh hudson last year i mean you know i, I don't know I, they built a prospect pipeline here but it's getting to be I don't want to say embarrassing, but it's getting to be shameful to see a lot of these players just blossom other in other places. I mean, look what Eric Lauer is doing in Milwaukee right now, which is mm-hmm. pretty eye-opening. Someone who I've always loved and someone who yeah. I touted and always hyped, even after he was dealt, is starting to come on, come to his own. The, 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 the Brewers made him a, a minor adjustment with his mechanics. He's not, he's hiding the ball a little more behind his body with, with his, with his motion. And I mean, the K's are there. He's, he's, he's pitching effectively. And it's, it's sad to see because that's still a, he's probably what, 25, 26 years old still. I mean, that's a young pitcher still. He turns 27 in two weeks. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's just the life of a Padre fan, right? To see all these prospects and players just develop in in elsewhere, and it's it's just it's sad that that trend team's continuing, and there really isn't any end in, in sight because they're they're stocked with prospects right now that are probably going to be moved within the next three months to twelve months to eighteen months. I mean, what are you going to do with Camposano? What are you going to do with Weathers? I mean, you're going to you're going to let them just sit there in the minors and rot. I mean, those those are the players that are ripe. They're ready to go. They're ready for major league action. Their value is now. You, they have a subpar year in AAA. Their value is down. So AJ Preller's probably going to end up moving some of these guys. Abrams is another one. We mentioned the the, the amount of commitment they have in financially with the infield. Is he really even going to be able to fit in in this team? And and what 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 is AJ Preller going to do? I I don't know, man. There's there's a lot of un, unanswered questions with this team. The depth is there. You mentioned you you have uh, you you don't have any kind of fear that this offense isn't going to pick it up. And 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 I don't know if I do or not. I'm I'm really concerned about 
just the structure of the lineup and the structure of this team as far as winning in playoff type atmosphere. And that's what this is about. Not making it through 162 and making the playoffs. It's actually making it through these series against the Dodgers, potentially against the the Giants or, or whoever else they're they're facing with formidable pitching staffs. These offenses need to pro- produce. They need to put up runs. The, you, you're not going to win a game without scoring a run. I, I don't know. The, obviously, Manny and Hosmer are are carrying this team right now. We can move on and talk about them. Uh, Hosmer in particular has been an absolute pleasure to see swing the bat. I, defensively, there's still concerns, obviously, but Monday night was really bad. Yeah, and, and that and that's something that I've seen five, six, seven, eight times from him. That fielding the ball foul. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I, I it, it it. I don't know. I, that that play. I mean, even he, his response immediately was he put the hat on his hat on top of his head and he had his hands, his arms folded because he knew he was just going to get grilled for the, for that. <laughs> I, I grilled him. I grilled him from the stands. Yeah. There's no, ex, there's no excuse no. to go backwards. Never. If he stretches, Never. it's an out. It's simple. Right. right? He, there were multiple plays Five that he should have made that cost the Padres runs that game. Five-year-olds know how to stretch. You go to a t-ball game and a fucking giant first baseman, the tallest kid on the damn ball field, is stretching at first base. He knows how to stretch at first base. He knows the the oh, just right. But I mean, he's helped the Potters out way more yes. at the plate than he oh, has. Yes. Oh, of course. Like I mean, hurt them in the field this year. I mean, that's that's the main takeaway. Yes. And I, how sustainable is it? considering the fact that a lot of them are on the ground. I mean, he's 22nd in barrel percentage and 43rd in average exit velocity. I mean, he's going to come back down yes. to earth a little bit, but I mean, if he hits like 300, 310 for the year, well, be amazing. Most, mostly with singles with a couple of doubles sprinkled in there and, you know, a couple of home runs. It's a very good player. That's the yeah. player the Padres have begged and, for for the past and, four years. And he'll only be making 13 million in the next three years, which is a, 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 a deal, really. I mean, it's if he can potentially put up this numbers and, you know, hey, a first baseman, a left-handed hitter, a veteran type player who can, he can put the ball in play and then create a little bit of fear and has that clubhouse presence that we all hear about, 39 million for three years isn't bad. So, I guess Preller did well in, in holding on to him and, and not eating salary and not giving up uh, Camposano right. or, or whoever else was rumored to be dealt with him in order to just rid themselves of him. And, and who knows what we'd have at first base and who knows what kind of issues there would be with this team. So uh, kudos to AJ Preller, kudos to Eric Hosmer for, for, for putting the ball in play and, and making some adjustments. Uh, well, again, we've we've talked about there were 30 games into the season, though, so this has to happen <laughs> for, for the rest of the year. I, we don't want to yeah. have have what we've seen in the in the, ha- in the past happen from him. Uh, he has to he has to just maintain this this type of value. I mean, that's just it's blunt and simple. Uh, but how about Mr. Manny Machado, who? Probably should be wearing the C on his chest. I don't know if the Padres will ever do that, seeing that uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. is also on the roster. Um, but he really probably should be the captain of this team just from his demeanor and the, and the way he carries himself uh, in and around this team. Right, Dominic? Yeah, I, I think they all view him as that. And it, it kind of showed last year 
mm-hmm. the guys had talked about it. And then when Machado got really mad at the umpires in a very crucial game of Machado was like, Hey man, this isn't about you. Like it's about the team. And I mean, you got some slack from it on social media, but social media is full of idiots. Um, and he's been phenomenal. I mean, there's no other way around it. He's been so locked in, uh, the home runs have been there at least to start. They haven't been quite there the last week, although he did hit two against Miami on Thursday. Uh, he's not striking out a ton. He's being really patient at the plate. Pitchers are walking him like mad and he's been absolutely elite in the field. He's made some phenomenal plays and he's had a couple of plays that he almost could have made too. He, he's been so good. And you know, the fans and the analysts who doubted the fact that he'd be worth the money the Padres paid him, uh, look like fools right now. He's been the best player in baseball to start. You know, whether or not you want to consider him the best third baseman in baseball, you know, considering that guys have had much better seasons than him in the past five years, that's up to you. But Machado is proving to be worth every penny the Potters have paid him. I love watching him every night. Uh, he's a joy to watch. Uh, he may not be as entertaining as Fernando Tatis Jr. in terms of excitement, but I think Manny Machado is the better player. And I think that's a hot take, but uh, I mean, he's he's out there every night. He's the leader. He's way better defensively. And I think he's more dependable because he doesn't go in those stretches where he just looks completely lost at the plate. Fernando Tatis Jr. has had two seasons where he's been top four MVP candidates in the first three years of his career. But I think Manny's more consistent. Yeah, that's consistency is definitely the name of the game. That's for sure. Uh, this just in, C.J. Abrams has homered again. First two triple-A at-bats, a three-run home run, and a two-run home run. Yeah. Uh, the kid is 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 locked in right now, and he's motivated. And like I say, he felt he was swinging the bat better and was about to catch fire, and I think he's proving that right now in, in, uh, in the PCL. So obviously PCL pitching isn't the major leagues, um, but – you definitely have to be pleased with what you're seeing from him uh, right away. Just putting his his nose down and 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 just his head down and just getting his nose to the grindstone, as they say, or whatever they say, and, and just working hard. I mean, you got to respect that from him. Not pouting about the demotion, getting out there and first two swings, two home runs. So uh, awesome job, C.J. Abrams. Love that. Um, Padres, man, what, what, what are we going to do about this bullpen? And – do you envision a few additions being made uh, to the bullpen, or are they going to wait till uh, Castillo, or Morahone, or Baez comes up and potentially fills those roles that, that that could be needed in middle relief? So here's my thing: is I think the Padres have their four guys that are in their high leverage situations. Yeah, if Rodgers, who's been closer, who didn't look good on Tuesday, but he's looked good in just about every other outing. Luis Garcia had been really good until he got hit hard against Chicago. Also had a bad walk. It happens. You know, if you go out there and you pitch extremely well, every single game, you're the best reliever of all time. Trevor Hoffman, Mariano Rivera, they allowed runs. It happens. It happens. Exactly. Steven Wilson has been awesome to start this year. And he's been only in high leverage situations, which is fantastic considering the fact that he's a rookie. He's been awesome. And then I think Robert Suarez has really settled in after that first outing in Arizona, which I was there for. It was miserable. It sucked. Uh, it, it was deflating. It made me think, oh boy, is this pottery season going to suck again? But he's been really good. And then they have guys like Craig Stamen and Nabil Krismat who they have their roles. You know, they're not, they're not the middle. They're not the setup guys. 
They're not the high leverage guys, but they're guys that you can count on. And people don't think this about Craig Stammen. I don't know why. Craig Stammen is so damn dependable. He goes out there, he pitches well nearly every single time he touches the mound. And Potter fans need to treat him with the respect that he deserves. And he's been like that for such a long time, too. And then outside of that, I mean, that's outside of those six guys is where the questions really arise. Ray Kerr, it, it appears he's not really a major league reliever. I mean, what he doesn't those... velocity. I mean, we heard triple digit. Right. He's throwing 94 miles an hour. Where, what happened? Where, where's the, I mean. So it's a, it's a question that if we were in the Padres clubhouse and media, we would be asking. Yeah, but they don't want to hear stuff like that. I mean, why would you want to hear hear questions of like asking what Alfaro said after he hit that walk off home run? I would have loved to have known what he said as he patted his chest and and pounced down the line, but no one, I guess, asked him. So, um, it is what it is. I I don't know, man. I, I there's yeah. a lot of questions in that bullpen outside there, of those six guys. There is. There really is. And but you know, Morahone, Baez, Castillo, though those are decent arms that could produce and, provide some value for this team. And I think Martinez is going to get moved out to the bullpen and yeah. I think he could be a lot more effective that way because I think that you can see his velocity go up from 93 94 to maybe 96 mm-hmm. uh, in short spins, yeah. And you know with a lot of pitches out of the bullpen I mean, I think that could be a really effective pitcher out there. The Potters have the arms, and I'm not sure Denelson Lamette finishes this year on the Potters, which is so sad because we'll always remember what 2020 Denelson Lamette was. Mm. Obviously, he wasn't going to pitch much further into the season because, like, if it was a full season because he got hurt. The, well, but I mean, that r- rumors already about him being dealt, right? Or or being shopped? Or uh, Lynn tweeted that the Padres are they're fielding offers okay, or yeah. not fielding offers, but they're. They're listening. I'll find, I'll, I'll find a, I'll find the tweet. I I heard something as well. And I think it's just, it makes sense at this point that I think Lament wants to start. That's where his, his heart is. And I think a team is still going to be just enthusiastic about his ability and, and, and want to take the chance on him. And, and it could potentially be a good move. Um, I think most Padre fans realize that it's only a matter of time for him uh, as far as injuries are concerned. And that's yeah. just sad reality. The tweet is the Potters have been discussing Denelson Lamette with other teams per sources. Lamette, who is okay. pitching out of the bullpen, is making $4.7 million in his second to last RB year. San Diego would like to create some flexibility for potential yeah. reinforcements on offense. This was on April 30th. So it's almost yeah, it, two weeks ago at this point. I mean, you, you, you drop close to $5 million. That's, that's some money that they could potentially spend elsewhere. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they try to, to do that and, and move upon a couple of these higher placed, higher priced players and, and get creative. Uh, they're going to have to do it. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, as, as we mentioned, there's, there's a lot of um, depth on this team both in the prospect realm and with the starting rotation. And, and, you know, somebody somewhere is going to pay the value and the asking price that Preller is asking. So we'll have to wait and see which route they go, where they upgrade. Um, It's going to be interesting season, no matter what there's, there's a lot of moving and shaking with this team. And I think once Fernando Tatis Jr. Bonds that Padres uniform and walks out on the field, uh, this team will will get a, a kind of a second level, if you will, and and, and just kind of uh, 
just be yeah. so right. I mean, I think fans are just anticipating that just to see him uh, again in a Padres uniform. No, I was talking with one of my friends at the game and he's a Mets fan and we were talking and saying, Hey, you know, the Padres and the Mets have two of the best records in the national league. And they're both missing arguably their best player. Of course, the Mets being Jacob DeGrom. And it speaks volumes to the amount of talent that, you know, this isn't about the Mets, but just about the Padres. You know, they're not full talent right now. And even Blake Snell, he's coming back. Uh, I mean, they said he made his last rehab starting. He's going to be ready to go. So, I mean, I'm, I'm excited for what the future of this team holds for the rest of this year. I, I'm very confident that with how they've started, they should make the playoffs. Yeah, no, they should. Uh, you know, the West is is tight right now. They're with each team above five hundred right now, which is a, a little bit of a, sh- a shocking thing, uh, being that the the, the Rockies and the, the, the Rockies are beginning their fall after April ends. Yeah, and, and they the do Giants this every year. The Giants actually started out a little bit of cold. They're on a winning streak right now. They won five in a row. Um, they didn't have that hot start like they had last year, which kind of carried them all the way. Uh, it's a different looking Giants team for sure, but you gotta you gotta tip your cat to, to what Gabe Kapler's done with that team. I mean, I I don't know. You just shake your head because the, they just don't have the talent that you see on paper that the Padres do, but yet they just put in a great effort each and every day. And uh, there's something about uh, team baseball which is results and wins that just it, it can't be you just can't quantify it on, on a, on a stat sheet or, or anywhere really. I mean, it, it, when a team gels, they just gel. And right now that giants team is just playing well. They are. I mean, this division's going to be tough. The Potters haven't played too many games in this division. They played four against the Diamondbacks early and three games against the giants, three games against the Dodgers have yet to face the Rockies mm-hmm. and they'll play three more games in San Francisco next week. Uh, that's of course going to, as always be an important series and, uh, kind of sucks that the Padres are going to have to play there the second time this year before the Giants come to town. Uh, that's, of course, because of the lockout uh, scheduling. Yes. And the game's they're on. going there. Uh, that series starts on a Friday, and the Padres play that Thursday in Philadelphia. So that's that's a bad break. But uh, every team has those kind of scheduling stuff. Yeah, that's for sure. I don't know, Dominic, anything else before we get out of here? I think we pretty much hit on the hot topics uh, for this team right now. Uh, playing well. There's uh, a lot of positivity in this team. A lot of uh, a lot of good thoughts heading into the summer for 2022 for this Padres team. We'll have to wait and see uh, what all happens, though. Yeah, I mean, there, there's going to be a lot to discuss with this team over the next coming weeks. Uh, Blake Snell comes back. You know, a couple of guys, uh, Michelle Baez, Adrian Marajone are on their rehab assignments. And I mean, when Matt Beatty comes back from the injured list, that's going to be interesting. I mean. Sergio Alcantara was the guy that they kind of replaced him with, and he hasn't come into the game yet. So I can't imagine that's going to be a tough decision at all. Uh, but Beatty has been playing well. And I mean, if Grisham's got to step it up. I mean, I think that's, that's one of the big things. And if he doesn't, what do the Padres do for that outfield? Yeah, really. I, you know, Azokar is playing well, but that's not exactly the answer long-term for this team. Uh, Myers as well needs to step up definitely in his contract year. Uh, you'd expect better things from him offensively. So um, all in all, it, there's there's a lot to be positive about for this team, for sure. They they had injury issues coming into the year, um, and they've 
been able to to withstand those and and, and put up a, a solid record. I mean, eight games above 500 right now uh, is nothing to be to, to sneeze about. It's something to be very proud of uh, with the roster that they have. And uh, we'll just have to wait and hope that Bob Melvin uh, has a speedy recovery from his prostate surgery. Hope nothing's wrong uh, in that regard. Uh, he's stating that he's hopefully going to be back next week. So we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, I think that he's a huge factor for this team. He's a huge calming force for the veterans and the young players on the team. Um, a, lot, a lot to be excited for Padre fans. So uh, it's going to be a big year. Uh, we'll have to wait and see, man. It's, this is, this is uh, an ex- a year of expectation, unlike last year. I think that this is the year that people really expect for them to go deep into the playoffs. Uh, don't yeah. you think? The pitching looks sustainable. I think yeah. that's the big thing. Exactly. The depth is there. Uh, and, and like you say, it's sustainable. Um, I'm good to go. Anything else before we head out of here? Nope. Okay, Dominic. Thank you, folks, for joining us on uh, this was episode number, what was it? 156. 156 of the EVT podcast. Uh, We will be back soon with another episode. Uh, Hopefully, we'll record next week while the Padres are on the road, and we'll give you a little bit of update on what's going on in that regard. Uh, Thank you so much for the support. Dominic, go ahead and take us out of here. Yeah, thanks again for everyone listening. Uh, as always, the East Village Times Padres podcast. Make sure to check out our content at eastvillagetimes.com. You can find us at EVT underscore news on Twitter, covering all San Diego sports, not just the Padres, but the Aztecs, the Seals, who just won their first playoff game, uh, the Soccers, who won their championship, and, of course, Aztecs football and basketball, and taking photos for other sports as well. Uh, make sure to follow James and I on Twitter. You can find me at DMster19. You can find James at EVT underscore James Clark. Uh, make sure to follow, subscribe to us on whatever podcast platform you guys listen to. Uh, we thank you all for tuning in and uh, hopefully we can record soon. Go Padres.